Psychology of Money Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed and Happiness by Morgan Husserl Chapter 8 Ma- Man in the Car Paradox No one is impressed with your possessions as much as you are. The best part of being a valet is getting to drive some of the coolest cars to w- ever touch pavement. Guests came in driving Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Rolls Royce, the whole aristocratic feel, fleet. It was my dream to have one of these cars of my own because I thought they sent such a strong signal to others that you made it. You are smart. You are rich. You have taste. You are important. Look at me. The irony is that I rarely, if ever, looked at them, the drivers. When you see someone driving a nice car, you rarely think, Wow, the guy driving that car is cool. Instead, you think, Wow, if I had the car, people would think I am cool. Subconscious or not. This is how people think. There is a paradox here. People tend to want wealth to signal to others that they should be liked and admired. But in reality, those other people often bypass admiring you. Not because they don't think wealth is admirable, but because they use your wealth as a benchmark for their own desire to be liked and admired. The letter I wrote after my son was born said, You might think you want an expensive car, a fancy watch and a huge house. But I'm telling you, you don't. You want, what you want is respect and admiration from other people. And you think having expensive stuff will bring it. It almost never does especially from the people you want to respect and admire you. I learned that as a valet when I began thinking about all the people driving up to the hotel in their Ferraris watching me gog. People must gog everywhere they went and I am sure they loved it. I am sure they felt admired. But did they know I did not care about them or even notice them. Did they know I was only going at the car and imagining myself in the driver's seat? Did they buy a Ferrari thinking it would bring them admiration without realizing that I and likely most others who are impressed with the car didn't actually give them the driver a moment's thought? Does the same idea apply to those living in big homes? Almost certainly. Jewelry and clothes? Yep. My point here is not to abandon the pursuit of wealth or even fancy cars. I like both. It's a subtle recognition that people generally aspire to be respected and admired by others 
and using money to buy fancy things may bring less of it than you imagine. If respect and admiration are your goal, be careful how you seek it. Humility, kindness and empathy will bring you more respect than horsepower ever will. We are not done talking about Ferraris. Another story about the paradox of fast cars in the next chapter. Thank you. Hello friends, this is Varsha's take and it's simple. Today, we will actually start reading the entire book, The Psychology of Money. Timeless lessons on wealth, greed and happiness. This book has been dedicated to the author's parents who have taught him. Gretchen, who guides him, Miles and Reese, who inspires him. The author says, Doing well with money isn't necessarily about what you know. It's about how you behave. And behavior is hard to teach even to really smart people. How to manage money, invest it and make business decisions are typically considered to involve a lot of mathematical calculations where data and formulae tell us exactly what to do. But in the real world, People don't make financial decisions on a spreadsheet. They actually make it at the dinner table or in a meeting room where personal history, your unique view of the world, ego, pride, marketing and odd incentives are scrambled together is what the author is trying to say. So, in this book, The Psychology of Money, what has the author done to make it simple is that he has got 19 short stories exploring the strange ways people think about money and teach you how to make better sense of one of life's most important matters. About this book, Daniel H. Pink, New York Times best-selling author of When to Sell is Human and Drive. He says that few people write about finance with the graceful clarity of Morgan Housel. Howard Marks, the co-founder and co-chairman, Oak Tree Capital Management has to say that Housel's 
observations often hit the daily tub double they say things that haven't been said before and they make sense Annie Duke author of thinking in bets she has to say about this book is that rare writer who can translate complex concepts into gripping easy to digest narrative is how she describes the author of this book so from the next episode let's start with introduction and that is the greatest show on earth so from the next episode let's begin with this book that's all for today thank you Hello friends this is Varsha's take and it's simple so welcome back to episode 4 today i'm going to read to you introduction the greatest show on earth from the psychology of money so here we go i spent my college years working as a valet at a nice hotel in Los Angeles one frequent guest was a technology executive he was a genius having designed and patented a key component in wifi routers in his 20s he had started and sold several companies he was wildly successful he also had a relationship with money i'd describe as a mix of insecurity and childish stupidity He carried a stack of 100 dollar bills several inches thick. He showed it to everyone who wanted to see it and many who didn't. He bragged openly and loudly about his wealth, often while drunk and always a propose of nothing. One day he handed one of my colleagues several thousand dollars of cash and said, Go to the jewelry store down the street and get me a few dollar thousand gold coins. An hour later, gold coins in hand, the tech executive and his buddies gathered around by a dock overlooking the Pacific Ocean. They then proceeded to throw the coins into the sea, skipping them like rocks, cackling as they argued whose went furthest just for fun days later he shattered a lamp in the hotel's restaurant a manager told him it was a dollar 500 lamp and he'd have to replace it you want 500 dollars the executive asked incredulously while pulling a brick of cash from his pocket and handing it to the manager yes 5000 dollars now get out of my face 
and don't ever insult me like that again you may wonder how long this behavior could last and the answer was not long i learned years later that he went broke the premise of this book is that doing well with money has a little to do with how smart you are and a lot to do with how you behave and behavior is hard to teach even to really smart people a genius who loses control of their emotions can be a financial disaster the opposite is also true ordinary folks with no financial education can be wealthy if they have a handful of behavioral skills that have nothing to do with formal measures of intelligence my favorite wikipedia entry begins ronald james reed was an american philanthropist investor janitor and gas station attendant ronald reed was born in rural vermont He was the first person in his family to graduate high school made all the more impressive by the fact that he hitchhiked to campus each day for those who knew ronald reed there wasn't much else worth mentioning his life was about a low key as they come Reed fixed cars at a gas station for 25 years and swept floors at JC Penney for 17 years. He bought a two-bedroom house for dollar 12,000 at age 38 and lived there for the rest of his life. He was widowed at age 50 and never remarried. A friend recalled that his main hobby was chopping firewood. We died in 2014, age 92, which is when the humble rural janitor made international headlines. 28,13,503 Americans died in 2014. fewer than 4000 of them had a net net worth of over dollar 8 million when they passed away ronald reed was one of them in his will the former janitor left dollar 2 million to his stepkids and more than dollar 6 million to his local hospital and library those who knew reed were baffled Where did he get all that money? It turned out there was no secret. There was no lottery win and no inheritance. Reed saved what little he could and invested it in blue chip stocks. Then he waited for decades on end as tiny savings compounded into more than dollar 8 million. That's it. From janitor to philanthropist a new month a few months before ronald reed died another man named richard was in the news richard fiscon was everything ronald reed was not 
a Harvard-educated Merrill Lynch executive with an MBA. Fuscon had such a successful career in finance that he retired in his 40s to become a philanthropist. Former Merrill CEO David Komansky praised Fuscon's business-savvy leadership skills, sound judgment and personal integrity. Crane's Business magazine once included him in a 40 under 40 list of successful business people. But then, like the gold coin skipping tech executive, everything fell apart. In the mid-2000s, Fuscon borrowed heavily to expand an 18,000-square-foot home in Greenwich, Connecticut that had two bathrooms, two elevators, two pools, seven garages, and cost more than $90,000 a month to maintain. Then, the 2008 financial crisis hit. The crisis hurt virtually everyone's finances. It apparently turned Fuscon into dust. High debt and illiquid assets left him bankrupt. I currently have no income, he allegedly told a bankruptcy judge in 2008. First in his Palm Beach house was foreclosed. In 2014, it was the Greenwich Mansion's turn. Five months before Ronald Reed left his fortune to charity, Richard Fuscon's home, where guests recalled the thrill of dining and dancing atop a see-through covering on the home's indoor swimming pool, was sold in a foreclosure auction for 75% less than an insurance company figured it was worth. Ronald Reed was patient. Richard Fuscon was greedy. That's all it took to eclipse the massive education and experience gap between the two. The lesson here is not to be more like Ronald and less like Richard, though that's not bad advice. The fascinating thing about these stories is how unique they are to finance. In what other industry does someone with no college degree, no training, no background, no formal experience and no connections massively outperform someone with the best education, the best training and the best connections? I struggle to think of any. It is impossible to think of a story about Ronald Reed performing a heart transplant better than a Harvard-trained surgeon, or designing a skyscraper superior to the best-trained architects. There will never be a story of a janitor outperforming the world's top nuclear engineers. But these stories do happen in investing. Let's continue in the next episode. So, it's a bye from me for today.